you have your Bibles, open up to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4, we greet all of you in the precious, miraculous, exalted name of the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy chapter 4, and I want to home in on verse 17, a verse not typically noticed nor preached. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 17. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. That's it. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. I want to preach around the subject in spite of my interference. In spite of my say, in spite of all my interference, the Lord stood with me. Life at times leaves us feeling lonely and facing that internal threat of losing heart. There are times when we feel frustrated and forsaken, discouraged and disappointed. And our internal voices tend to echo false perceptions, which makes us feel isolated, insecure, insignificant, abandoned, and all alone. And I don't know if you've ever been there, but we, we hear so much hype from believers about how they're always on the mountaintop. But nobody ever talks about when we go into the valley. And, and, it's, and it's in the valley that you learn that God is faithful. It's in, the, it's in the valley that you tap into a strength that's not yours. It's in the valley that the table is prepared in front of your enemy. in the valley when you are fearful of what's behind you, that goodness and mercy follows you all the days of your life. And you really, really don't learn and know God until you know God in the 
midst of your church. When you and I are out of strength, out of options, can't go any further. The Lord comes through and teaches us it was never us in the first place. That we've been made endure for a night. And we've been through some nights, haven't we? But joy is waiting in the morning. I'm, I'm, I'm convinced that most of the songs written by David was after David's fall. It was after his fall that he learned how good, how merciful, how gracious, how forgiving God. And, 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 it's, and it's here in this context that Paul, in this closing chapter of his life, in this prison epistle, because Paul is a prisoner, chained and facing certain death. He's going to get his head chopped off. He understands that this is the close of his life. And although he's prisoner physically, he refuses to be a prisoner psychologically, emotionally, or spiritually. Paul, 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 Paul the preacher, the Paul the, yeah, prisoner, Paul the faithful, Paul the facilitator, Paul the fighter against evil, this apostle. And, and, and let me say something about the Apostle Paul because we, we don't understand that Paul was the one that conducted three missionary journeys across Asia Minor. It was Paul who saw the glorified Christ four times in his life. It was, it was, it was Paul who started and planted, organized over 50 Christian churches. It was Paul that wrote half of the New Testament. Paul, 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 Paul comes down to the close of his life, and Paul, and Paul is reflecting because he wrote one of the most, one of the strongest theological passages in three different books of the New Testament, and one in the Old Testament which he didn't write. Paul, it was Paul that said, "And the just shall live by faith." Is Paul in this hour? death, that he has the audacity to ask for his parchments. Bring the word of God to me. In this final hour of life. And, and it's interesting because he, he is teaching young Timothy an antidote and an attitude, a comfort and a commitment Amen. A fight free of freedom. A, a fight, excuse me, free of fear. Because it was Paul that told Timothy in the first chapter, God has not given us the spirit of fear, timidity, but of a power and of love and of a sound, disciplined mind. Paul's facilitating his faith. And I, I want to say something about the facilitation of a faith. See, amen, a lot of us boast of our faith but our faith has not been tested 
when you are a prisoner facing death and we can see your faith, then your faith has been tested. Can I get a witness? That's why, that's why James says, count it all joy when, not if, when you fall into various trials, knowing purpose that the trying, fire testing of your faith is working out perseverance in the Greek, patience, but let patience have her perfect work. Don't try to cut your trial. God is allowing trials to do something in your life. He's completing you. He's perfecting you. Lord, he's preparing you. Do I have a witness up in the house? And, and, ch and child of God, there's two things that Paul does in this text that's amazing. One, we see Paul's acceptance of the circumstances. And then we see Paul's assertion, amen, of his faith. What, what, is, what are you saying, preacher? Well, amen, there are certain things in life we must accept that may be difficult to accept. Now, chronologically, I'm in the third quarter of my life. Yeah. You know, each quarter in basketball is 15 minutes. Okay. You get some timeouts. Yeah. When we look at life, halftime is 35 to 40 years old. So if you pass 35 or 40 years old, you're in the third quarter too. Some of y'all in the fourth quarter. Some of y'all overtime. Some of y'all double overtime. Can I get a witness? But, 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 but I see you, Sister Hicks. But, 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 child of God, understand that, listen to this, your game is going to end. Do I have a witness? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's appointed unto men once to die. It, your, your, your game is going to end, and the most important thing as you're facing the finish of your game, is what have I done for Jesus Christ? Not that you sent your kids to college, not that you raised your children, not that you had a good marriage. No, 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 no. Come on now, as you come to the finish. All that we do for Christ will last. And Paul lets us know that he's facing something that he must accept. Lord, um, give me the serenity to accept the things Courage has changed the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Maturity is understanding what you and I can't change. I love this passage because Paul is not just a standard, powerful powerful word, in spite of all my interference. 
spite all the things that I regret, in spite of all the attacks I've been under. And one of Satan's objectives to the body of Jesus Christ is to take you out of God's will. Out of God's place, out of God's faith, Satan wants you to focus on yourself, not on him. He tried it with Peter. He told Peter, go back fishing. He did it in the cave with Elijah. Elijah ran from Jezebel, uh, the, the list of the state of New Jersey, and went in a cave and begged to die. And God said, what are you doing here? Satan's objective is to get you out of God's will. And, 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 and I don't know, even, even, even where I am spiritually, if I'm in a place to accept everything that God allows to come my way. Don't, don't we struggle with some of the things that a sovereign and all-powerful, all-knowing, all-wise God allows? You don't say, man, I do. I struggle struggle with some of the things that comes my way. And God, God, through the Apostle Paul, lays out added, antidote and, listen, attitude. First, look what Paul does. He says, Paul had, and I want you to see this, Paul had confidence in the presence of God. Now, 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 let me talk about the presence of God because as we practice his presence, in our lives, we become more restful and we are reassured of rescue. It, he walks with me. He talks with me. If I, if, if I make my bed in hell, Psalm 139, behold, the Lord is there. If, if I fly on the wings of the morning to heaven, the Lord is there. Wherever I go, he is. Because he's an all-wise, all-knowing, all-powerful, omniscient, and omnipresent God. But to the children and believers in Jesus Christ, he said, I'll never leave you, nor forsake you. Hmm. I'm with you to the end of the age. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Didn't he say that? That, that, that when we understand the fact that he's always with us, Mm. Paul's saying some deep things here in this one word, notwithstanding. Not, notwithstanding is a word which means in spite of. In spite of all my interference, in spite of all my self-inflicted wounds. Now, some, now, now, now how many of y'all know we, we got some self-inflicted stuff? Yeah, yeah, the devil didn't do it, your mother didn't do it, your wife didn't do it, your husband didn't do it, you did it. Are y'all gonna pray? Are y'all gonna pray with me or what? Stop putting the blame on somebody else. We got that Adam syndrome. The woman you gave me made me do it. Can't nobody make you do anything. Oh, I'm preaching already. Can I get a witness? You'll never be free until you take onus for what you need to take onus for. Can I get a witness? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The fact of the matter is, is that Paul says something very, very interesting here. Notwithstanding, and all in spite of all the interference, all the interaction, he stood, the Lord stood with me. Two things I want to bring out that 
amazing about this text. One, Paul was unaware of the presence of Jesus Christ until he really We are unaware that whatever, metaphorically, whatever situation we find ourselves in, he's there with us. Jeez. He's, he's there, and, and wherever Jesus is, that's heaven. He, he, he walks, he talks, he watches over me. Can I get a witness? When you practice the presence, if I'm cooking, he's here. He's in the kitchen. If I'm in the bathroom, he's in the bathroom. If I'm on a job, he's on the job. If where, wherever I go, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord is with me. He won't forsake me. He won't leave me. Yeah, yeah, he is with me. Psalmist said, before you call, I will answer. Mm. Lord, have mercy. Moses, I will go before you. Y'all ain't praying with me. Wherever God's asking you to go, he's already been there. In fact, he's there waiting for you. Can I get a witness? He, yeah, yeah, he's a scout. He's a, he's, he's a frontal man. He's, he, yeah, yeah, he's, he's a pathfinder. Somebody know what I'm talking about. He, he cuts down the, he cuts down all of the bush so you can follow him. I'm preaching now. Can I get a witness? He didn't ask you to go anywhere. He hasn't already been. So if the Lord asks you to go before him, he's already been there before you. He's already made a way out of no way. He's already paved the payment. He knows the terrain. He knows what he wants you to do. He knows what he's asking you to do. And he knows it's going to get done because he has already been there. But, uh, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, notwithstanding. So when we begin to look at this word notwithstanding, it's obvious that we have to go back and establish all of the interference that Paul experienced. And I want you to go back, please, to verse 9 and 10a. First of all, he was being forsaken. Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me, for here it is, Demas, who we believe is saved, has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is a partner to Thessalonica, Cretans, Galatians, Dalmatia. Now, 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 child, child of God, Demas pulled out on Paul. Have you ever had anybody run out of your life? They promised they would be there. They promised they'd never leave you. And he pulled out. Demas pulled out. Titus left for Dalmatia to do ministry. He said, only Luke is with me. Are you with me? Yeah. Relationships can break up. Children can pull out. Circumstances can reverse. Notwithstanding. There are times in our lives we're going to be forsaken. And, and excuse me, let me pull up this on children. By the way, I was listening to CNN, MSNBC, and they came up with a statistic yesterday that startled me. In this nation right now, because of the economics, 25 
million grown children are coming back home to mommy and daddy. Because they have school loans, there's no jobs, their credit is bad, they're struggling. 25 million graduates of college, grown adults, are now returning home. Turn to your neighbor and said, I thought they were gone. In fact, in fact, I threw a party. Changed the bedroom to a computer room. I was telling Sister G, I'm facing the prospect of an empty nest. Now I won't be empty no more. <laughs> Well, the commentator said this, let them back in, help them, but have a plan for them to go. <laughs> How many of y'all miss your children that are out? No, raise your hand. Yeah. All right. Are you ready for them to come back? They're coming back. Look at this. He, he talked about being forsaken. By the way, your grown children versus your little children is like day and night. <laughs> Leave that one alone too. He talks about being forsaken, but then verse 12 to 13a, he talks about being faithful. Tychicus, I sent to Ephesus. Do you get that? He sent him out on a strategic Shrimp. And then verse 14, real quick, being fought against. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil, but the Lord will deal with him justly. So Paul says, because I've been forsaken, because others left me being faithful, because others fought against me, I'm all alone. And it wasn't until I was alone notwithstanding that I understood that the Lord stood with me. Oh, I'm preaching now, Doc. See, you will not be able to measure the impact of his presence until you are all alone. When you're all alone and you know that Jesus is right there with you. Everybody else pulled out. Everybody else, amen, left. Everybody else forsook. Everybody else fought against you. Everybody else but Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake me. And in fact, the psalmist said, when your mother and your father forsake you, then the Lord will lift you up. That's great news. That's great news. When everybody in St. Matthews starts going the other way, I can hear Jesus say, Raymond Marie's going, just hold on. I'm here. Can I get a witness? I'm still here with you. The greatest line in that great poem, Footprints in the Sand. A man is walking, I guess it's a dream, 
on the seashore with Jesus Christ. And as they're walking, there's two sets of footprints. And as they're walking, he's looking in the sky and he sees flashes of his life. So he asked the Lord a question. Lord, let me ask you a question. And, then, and he says, how come each flash goes across the sky? He looks down in the sand. How come during my greatest need, when I was in my greatest state of poverty, that I only see one footprint. Lord, why did you leave me? Jesus turned to him and said, my son, I didn't leave you. That's when I carried you. That's, that's when I picked you up, when you couldn't walk no further. That, that's when I picked you up, when you were ready to give up and give out and die. That's when I picked you up and I carried you. Some of y'all are here because Jesus carried you. He carried you from a bad marriage. He carried you from abuse. He carried you from drugs. He carried you from sex. He carried you. He carried you. Somebody ought to praise him. Because he's worthy. He's worthy to be praised. Because he carried. Lord have mercy. When you couldn't carry yourself, when you couldn't walk, when you were, amen, out of your mind, out of your wits end, he carried. He carried you. Yeah, he carried you. Uh-huh, he, yeah, I know. You want to give the credit to your degrees? No, 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 he carried you. You, you want to give the credit to your, your, your intellect and your IQ? No, no, no. He carried you. You, you, you want to give the credit to your good marriage? No, he carried you. He, somebody said, he carried. Old folks said, he bought me from a mighty long way. He's good. Isn't he good? He's so good to the psalmist in old days. And see that the Lord is good. Look what Jesus told Israel in Exodus. Look, I bore you on eagles' wings. You would never understand that until you understand the eagle. See, 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 you, you would never understand the power of waiting on him. They that wait on the Lord, he shall renew their strength. He'll mount them up with wings like eagles. Well, if you don't know anything about eagle, that doesn't mean anything to you. It's just transparent. When you understand that, Lord have mercy, that a mother eagle whose wingspan is six feet long sits up in her perch thousands of feet in the sky, sometimes on a mountainside, and the little eaglets is in the nest and she goes out and feeds the eaglets and the eaglets are now growing. You don't know that when the mother and the father eagle build that nest, they built it with a time factor involved. That what they did, they brought some brush together, but they put thorns at the bottom. And then they covered it with soft bush on the top. Look at, look at God. Look how ingenious God is in his creation. And the heavier the eaglet gets, the bush hits the thorns and it makes them uncomfortable. 
that feeling of uncomfortableness is a sign it's time to get out of here. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Can I get away yes. The problem in the church, you done made your home so comfortable for your kids, they don't even want to leave. Yeah. Oh, let me preach this thing. There, there ought to be a time, I'm preaching now, there ought to be a time that they got to get out. That mother eagle, that mother eagle, that mother eagle, that mother eagle sits in the perch and then, yeah, as those eagles start maturing, here's what she does. It sounds reprehensible. She pushes the eaglet out of the nest. And as the eaglet is going down the side of the mountain, not knowing how to fly, looks like the eaglet is going to hit the bottom and bust open. The mother eagle sits in the nest with a telescopic eye and supersonic speed. And, 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 and the mother eagle knows just when to come off that perch. And the mother eagle glides down the side of the mountain. And just before the eaglet hits the ground, she swoops the eaglet up, takes the eaglet thousands of feet in the sky, and drops it again. And every time she drops the eaglet, the eaglet is learning how to fly. Some of y'all came to church this morning and it looks like God has dropped you. Looks like God doesn't love you. Looks like God is against you. But God is just letting you learn how to live by faith. He wants you to know how to fly. And after about the third drop, you will get it. You will fly above your trials. You'll fly above your troubles. You'll fly. Can I get a witness? Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, do you know how to fly yet? Just keep living. Just when I thought I couldn't make it, just when I thought I didn't know how to make it, God stood with me. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, I'm on a false drop. Every round goes higher and higher. Do I have a witness? Every time I think I'm finished, I get up. Every time I think I can't make it another step, I get up. Every time it looks like I'm ready to give up, he shows up. Can I get a witness? In the Lord faithful, he stood. He stood with me. Notwithstanding, oh Lord, not, <laughs> notwithstanding, in spite of all the interference, the Lord just keeps showing up. In spite of all my mess, my self-inflicted wounds, the Lord just, somebody going to shout on the way home. He keeps, he keeps showing up. 
in spite of the fact that I don't tithe, he keeps blessing. In spite of the fact I don't live right, he keeps blessing me. Can I get a witness? He says, the Lord stood with me. Paul had confidence in his presence. But secondly, Paul had comfort, yeah, from the paraclete of God. Look, look at 2 Timothy, uh, look, 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 17b, and he strengthened me. My God. I laugh at these super saints who always want to give you the impression that they are all this in a bag of chips. You're a liar and the truth ain't in you. Somebody said, if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, where would we be? Can I get a witness? No, no, he didn't talk about your strength. I'm talking about his strength. Can I get a witness? Paul understood that the poverty of his pain. Now, let me stop Paul's park on pain. Now, now, listen to this principle. When pain comes our way, there's one of two things we try to do. One, we try to substitute to get rid of the pain. We rely on substitutes. Do I have a witness up now? So if Sister Gordon ain't cooking right and cleaning right and doing something else right, I will bring, I will try a substitute to make me feel good. The thing, the problem with substitutes, you don't have no assurance that the substitute is going to work. I'm preaching now. Can I get a witness? And some of us spend our whole life looking at substitutes. I'm preaching. Maybe, maybe, maybe we need a new home. New home ain't going to do nothing for you. You're going to mess it up like the old home. If you're nasty in the old home, you're going to be nasty in the new home. Can I get a witness? You don't paint the old home, you, you ain't going to paint the new home. You don't wash the floors in the old home, you ain't going to wash the floors in the new home. You don't, you don't change because you get a new home. Oh, I'm preaching now. Y'all don't want to hear this. New car ain't going to change it. Can I get a witness? Fact of the matter is, God says, I don't want you relying on substitutes. Here's the way I change my children. When pain comes, I transform them. Can I get a witness? Like that oyster who takes an irritation, a difficulty, a grain of sand that's irritating him. He puts his whole being over the sand, that one grain of sand, and in time, he brings about a pearl. We got to learn when life, amen, gives us a lemon. You, you, you know, stop praying for an orange and an apple and a pear. Go on and make some lemonade. Uh, in other words, make the best of where you are because God was the one that let you be there. God was the one that sovereignly placed you there. God was the, I'm preaching now, Doc. Stop making excuses. Amen. Get up off the posterior part of your anatomy and start saying, Lord, if you gave me a lemon, give me wisdom how to make lemonade. Transform. Transformation means doesn't matter how nasty the wife is. Her nastiness can't change me. 
but my changing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit can change her. Y'all yes, ain't getting this. Yes, you ain't getting this. It's a principle. It's a principle. It's a principle. That, 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 that Paul talks about supplying not only the paraclete, the comforter, amen, that he comforts us, 2 Corinthians 1, in all of our Philipsis is the Greek word, that we may be able to comfort others with the same comfort that he comforted us. You're not getting this and I don't have time to deal with it. See, child of God, God lets me get in trouble so he can descend and comfort me. He doesn't comfort me to say, amen, for me to say, thank you, Lord, another one. I mean, No, he comforted me so I could take the same type of comfort, come to church and comfort somebody else. Can I get a witness? If Dan's going through, let me comfort you with the same comfort the Holy Spirit comforted me with. Can I get a witness? The Holy Spirit didn't throw my sin in my face. The Oh, they're getting quiet, Lord. The Holy Spirit, amen, didn't hold me to some ritualistic rule. He just came alongside of me out of mercy and love and truth, and he comforted me. We ought to comfort one another. He supplies a paraclete. He supplies a perspective that every bit of suffering for the believer is an appointment, not an accident. Whatever's coming in your life is an appointment. Why? Because God is sovereign. Jesus has to sign off on everything. Just go home and read Job chapter 1 and 2. Satan had to get permission. Didn't he have to get permission? Before he could touch Job. Or his family. We're living under an appointment. That's why Job said, I'm going to wait for my appointed time. I'm going to wait for my change to come. Not only does he supply a paraclete and a perspective, but he, he supplies a purpose. Our temporary failures work out for our triumphant faith. God is at work. He's working in us. He has already worked for us. He's working through us. He's working to us. Look at the preposition. God is at work. Paul had confidence in the presence of God, but he also had comfort in the paraclete of God. And third, Paul had a courage in the providence. Of God. Go back to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 17. Now look at this. Here's the providence. The word providence in the Greek pro video, God sees something before time. Now, if you were here Wednesday, you need to come out the Bible study. Listen, we differentiated foreknowledge with foreordination. Ephesians chapter 1. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit all played a part in our salvation. What is foreknowledge? Foreknowledge is God's ability to know beforehand. Foreordination goes beyond that. Not only does God know beforehand, uh, listen to this, he decrees, he plans, and he determines beforehand. Before Bruce Bettner was born, God decreed that he would be a doctor of counseling. Now, you talk to Bruce after service, because you ain't talking now, but I'm talking to Bruce after service. Bruce would tell you, during the course of his life, he couldn't say it. 
and nobody else could see it. Mom saw it. Mom kept praying, <laughs> but nobody, nobody else could see it. But he foreordained where you are, where you're going, where you're going to end up. That's why the songwriter said he's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole wide world in his hands. When you think you're making decisions for your life, it's God making it and letting you think it. Check it out. Joseph, Genesis 50. Brothers threw him in the ditch. Brothers created a lie, said a lion killed him, took a bloody coat of many colors back to his father, Jacob. Jacob cried, and he was sold into Egypt. Am I right? He went into Potiphar's house. Potiphar's wife lied on him, said he tried to rape me because he would not lay down with her. And she grabbed his clothes, and he ran and left his coat in her hand. That's a whole nother son. I don't know how many preachers up here will find a woman grab your coat, you're going to leave the coat in her hand. <laughs> but Joseph said to his brothers, at a time, don't miss this, a famine, when they had to come back to Egypt, he disclosed who he was, and his brothers got scared, thought he was going to kill him. He said, no, 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 you meant it for evil. But there is a foreordination. There is a foreknowledge. There, there is a predestination. There, there is a choosing and selection process. There is a God who plans out the life of his children. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for God. I'm not finished with the verse. God meant it for good to bring me to a desired end. And then Joseph threw out a rhetorical question. Am I not in the place of God? You know, when you, when you understand the providence of God, you're right where God wants you to be. Right where he wants you to be. He, 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 Job, Job, Job said, I'll wait for my point in time. G even, even Jesus, Acts 2, 23 and 24, listen to this. The Romans didn't kill Jesus. Satan didn't kill Jesus. The Pharisees didn't kill Jesus. Acts 2, 23 and 24 says, the predetermined counsel of God determined that Jesus would be crucified. Why didn't any of them kill Jesus? Because Jesus was slain before the foundation of the world. Y'all ain't getting this. God had already in his mind made up a plan that Jesus would die for the sins of the elect. And even in the garden, even Jesus couldn't change it. Jesus was praying to sweat and a drop of blood was falling on his brow. He said, Father, uh, Father, I really don't want to drink this bitter cup of death. Then 100% God kicked in. Nevertheless, yes, sir. not my will, but may thine will be done. 
not that we accept the providence and the purposes of Almighty God that we have peace. We're trying to break away from what God called us to do. We want a better life back in Egypt. We miss the leeks and the onions. We want to be saved just to the point where we're assured we won't go to hell and burn. But many of us want to live like the world. And John says, 1 John epistle on fellowship, not relationship, love not the world, neither things that are in the world, because if you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. We have a courage in the promise. I was telling a story this morning. I, you know, I grew up in South Philadelphia the first 17 years, went, went into the military. Next seven years, came out of 24. Uh, bought me a house in my GI Bill, just running the streets and getting high and partying. And then slowly, I don't know, I don't even remember how slowly I started getting wooed to God. Wooed to God. And I went to a prayer meeting one night. Uh, it must have been 76, 77. I went to a prayer meeting and I was the only one in there under 70. And all these mothers of the church we sit there and sing hymns. That's why I know them hymns. I don't wait. I don't look at no screen. I, I had a genuine salvation experience. Blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. I'm an heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of the Spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story. Can I get a witness? His eyes is on the sparrow. I know he's watching me. In prayer meeting, and the mother said, Raymond, go on up there in front with the Bible. Of course, they believe that a man should be the spiritual leader. We'll leave that one alone. And as, as I'm reading, as I'm, I said, I don't know about the Bible. We'll help you, honey. We'll help you. Little did I know. That was the providence of God to confirm in me that I was called to teach. Now, I didn't learn the word by osmosis. I didn't lay in my bed like some of us say, give me the word. I had to go to school. Leave that one alone too. Don't you know God will use somebody else to confirm your gifts? Don't, don't you know God will use somebody in the church to confirm your calling? Yeah. Notwithstanding, confidence in the presence of God, a comfort in the paraclete of God, a courage in the providence of God. And finally, Paul had a commitment to the power of God. Look what it says in verse 17. Let's look what he says. And, and by the way, the providence that by me, providence, the preacher might be fully known. Now check out the commitment to the power of God. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. 
Now, there are two positions on this word lion. Some believe that miraculously, before Paul got his head cut off, they threw him to the lions, and the lions, like Daniel, wouldn't touch him. I don't believe that's the rendering of this verse. The lion is Satan. Satan is like a roaring Now, please pay attention as we close. I was delivered. This lion could also be Nero who beheaded him. I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. What God calls deliverance and what we call deliverance is day and night. These false, pretentious, yeah, preachers, have messed us up. The minute I contract cancer, God's going to heal me. Mm -hmm. The minute, yeah, I get in trouble and pray, God's going to deliver me. His deliverance is sovereign. He told the Apostle Paul, Paul asked three times, Lord, can you remove this thorn? God said, nope. My grace is sufficient. There's some things in your life God will not move. And I'm going to tell you why. Because they're there to keep you humble. It's there to keep you praying. It's there to keep you yielding. I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And look at verse 18. And the Lord shall futuristically deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me until his heavenly kingdom to who be glory forever and ever. Amen. Look what Paul's saying. Not only is there a confidence in his presence, a comfort in his paraclete, a courage in his providence, but a commitment to his power. Because way back in chapter 4, verse 7, we know Paul is facing sudden death. And they came to Paul and said, okay, Paul, we're going to open up the cage. It's time for you to die. Paul said, the time of my departure is come. Now, if I'm in the third quarter, and most of y'all in the third quarter, your time is closing in. Can I have a witness? You're not going to live to be 100. You're not going to live to be 125. Your time, the clock is ticking. Do I have a witness? This might be my last Sunday here. Can I get a witness? I'm going to go out praising his name. I'm going to go out serving him. I'm going to go out tithing. I want to go out, amen, exalting him. Because I want to hear my Savior say, well done. Can I get a witness? Uh, child of God, he said, the time of my departure. That word departure has three unique meanings. One is to take your tent down. See, a tent is a temporary dwelling place. We're going we gonna to lose these tents. These tents got holes in them. Uh, do I have a witness? Uh, some of y'all got them two brothers, Arthur and Ritus. Can I get a witness? Well, you got holes in your tents. 
Some of us carrying around cancer. Some of us are carrying around prostate and colon. And Come on now, you, you know the deal. We got holes in these tents. The word departure means to take down the tent and wait for a permanent glorified body. But a second meaning is not only to take down the tent, but like to free a bird out of a cage and let them fly away. The third definition is to pull up an anchor and sail. Can I get a witness? Paul said, the time of my departure is come. I'm going to be released in a minute. Can I get a witness? I, I'm going to stop saying this more. We got to get out of your way. Everybody in heaven, your mother, your grandmother, your grandfather, whoever was saved in your family, if they had a train coming from heaven to earth, nobody be on it. Because once you see Jesus, once you see the streets of gold, the pearly gates, angels flying, millions worshiping the Lamb, and once you see the Lamb of God in all of his beauty and glory, you don't want to come back to St. Matthew's. Can I get a witness? Yes, Child of God. He, he says, not only is there a release, but I fought a good fight. Yeah. I'm preaching now. And that is, hey, amen, I tried to live by his righteous rule. And sometimes I fell. Sometimes I got weak, but I trusted him to live right. Yes, Some of y'all trying to live right. Yes, Some of y'all trusting to live right. Some of y'all ain't even trying to live right. Can I get a witness? I, I tried. Trusting him, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I ran on the track that the Lord sovereignly placed me on, and I was, and I was not disqualified from the race. I kept. When I was hit, when I wanted to give up, when I felt some kind of way, I just kept believing. Can I get a witness? God gives us power, doesn't he? He gives power to the faint. Have you not known, have you not heard that power belongs to the Lord and mercy? Hallelujah. Child of God, I love this word. Not with standing in spite of all my interference I was liberated from a loneliness I was liberated from coming up limp look at Paul getting ready to lose his life well they're going to kill you they're going to chop your head off your life is finished he didn't pout he didn't plead. He held on. He stuck with a faith. He said, the time of my departure is come. I want to be able to expect the Lord's Withstanding means 
everything the enemy threw at you, every interference, every interaction, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Through it all, I've learned to depend upon his word. Notwithstanding, in spite of it all, we come out victorious. Let's stay off the feet. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, in spite of it all, I have the victory. As every head is bowed, your eyes closed. If you need to be saved, just raise your hand today. You want to give Jesus Christ your life. Jesus said you must be born again. We had eight this morning. Just raise your hand. He died for your sins, was buried, and rose again. Jesus said, if you be ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. Just put your hand there. Amen. Indicating you want to be saved. If your hand is raised, come on up front. We see you. The Lord's going to honor that. Hallelujah. We are a soul-saving station. Hallelujah. Amen. Perhaps you want to join the church. Raise your hand also. Is there one? Just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. You want to join the church. Praise Jesus. Beautiful young lady. Thank you. Ministers, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Praise Jesus. Thank you, ladies. You can follow the minister. Thank you. Praise God. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we reflect on the close of Paul's life, Help us to take home this word, notwithstanding. That you stood with us and you strengthened us. In spite of all the interference, you stood with us and you strengthened us. In spite of all of our failures, you stood with us and you strengthened us. In spite of all of our shortcomings and self-inflicted wounds, you stood with us and you strengthen us. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Often as you do this, you show remembrance of me till I come. When we partake of the symbolic elements of wafer and grape juice, it is symbolic of his body and his blood. Hallelujah. Amen. Jesus never said you had to be worthy to take communion. None of us are worthy. But he said, don't do it, looking at the proverb, as in, uh, 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 the adverb, in an unworthily do it with discernment. As you get your flask, just hold it. Wait on pastor. Amen. We love you. We love you. As often as you do this, Father, in the name of Jesus, forgive us of our sins, sanctify us, prepare our hearts and minds with discernment for this symbolic memorial of your body and blood. And you said in 1 Corinthians 11, as often as you do this, you show remembrance of me till I come back. We thank you, we praise you, we exalt you. 
and put our minds on what's at hand, the death, burial, and resurrection. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all partake of the wafer, which is his body.